So today we're starting a new series for the month of December titled Carols to Live By, Sounds of the Season. And today marks the first Sunday in December, a new month and a new time of year as we're going to be looking to the Advent once again. And as you already saw, we lit the first candle of the Advent symbolizing prophecy or hope. We started with this first candle and Liam Mona talked about what it means. But as we look to this first candle, we look towards the birth of Christ. And we look to the hope that that would bring to all of God's people and us included. Christ, Jesus, the baby Savior coming to God's people, being born in a manger. But it's so much more than this. It is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Son of God, was born and lived among us. Many of our Christmas songs help to paint a picture of this. And this year, we're going to look to a new series titled Sounds of the Season. Because everywhere you go, people are whistling, people are humming, people are even singing for all to hear these sounds of the season, for all to hear the meaning of Christmas. And the wonderful thing is this, not everybody is even Christians. Not everybody are even following after Christ who are singing these words. But they're still singing the sounds of the season. You cannot help but hear these songs everywhere you go. They're everywhere. And one of the things that makes Christmas such a memorable time of year is the music. You can't help but notice it as you drive in the car and it's on the radio. As you're in the department stores and you hear them singing the songs over the intercom speakers. Or even as you're flipping through the channels and you see about 50 different Hallmark Christmas movies on. Christmas is everywhere. And even in those movies you'll hear these songs. Eventually you find yourself singing along with these songs. You, you sing these Christmas carols, carols which we should be living by. But unfortunately, too often, we forget the, what the words really mean. They become so ritualistic, so traditional in our mind that we sing them without even thinking. So for the next few weeks, I want us to slow down. I want us to read some of the scripture that goes along with these songs. And I want us to really think, what exactly are we proclaiming to the world as we sing these songs for all to hear? So we must do two things. Number one, we must meditate on the songs with the proper meaning ourselves. Let's slow down and think, what is this song saying? What are we proclaiming? But number two, we must be more purposed to explain the meaning to others as well. As you hear other people singing these songs, whistling these songs, humming that songs, what a great witness you have, a great opportunity to represent Christ. As you hear somebody in the workplace singing a song, you say, hey, I know that song. Is that the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing? Because I know what that song means. Have you ever taken a step back and just thought about what that song means? These carols, these songs, are the sounds of the season, and they're carols to live by carols to live by as we should be singing these songs in a way which proclaim the great message of biblical truth which so naturally lives in the carols and in us. Now obviously some of the Christmas songs, Christmas carols are not truly the gospel all in them. It's let it snow, let it snow, let it snow or chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Those aren't the songs I'm talking about but I'm talking about songs like this. Hark the Herald Angels Sings. We're going to introduce this song today with this new series, and I've got just a short amount of time today to really introduce it, so I'll try and go quite fast. 
But as we start this new series, I do want to introduce it with some facts about the song. We'll talk more about Christmas and some history of Christmas next week. But I'm going to start with some facts about the song. You see, this song was from Charles Wesley. Charles Wesley is the man who wrote this hymn. It was initially not even a hymn. It initially was not a song. It was actually a poem. Hark the Herald Angels Sing is one of the most popular Christmas carols today. It can even be heard in many movies. I was starting to prepare for finishing up my preparations for my sermon last night. My wife had a Hallmark Christmas movie, I think it was, on in the background in the other room. I walked in. What song did they just sing? Guess what? They were singing this song. As you watch Charlie Brown's Christmas, you hear this song at the end. As you watch A Wonderful Life, you hear this song in that movie. If you listen closely, this song is all over the world this time of year. And isn't it wonderful that we hear this song so often since this song proclaims the gospel. We're going to read the lyrics in a moment, and we're going to sing it at the end of the sermon. But the history behind the harp the Herald Angels sing was it was written by Charles Wesley, who was an English Methodist leader and hymn writer. Wesley wrote over 6,000 hymns. Can you imagine that? 6,000! And he's not even the one who wrote the most. My research says that Fanny Crosby wrote 8,000. Charles Wesley was, wrote more than any other male writer. But his goal in writing these 6,000 hymns was not just to write a poem, not just to put words on a sheet of paper, not just to write a song to sing. His goal was said to write hymns which would teach the poor and illiterate sound doctrine. That as maybe they couldn't read, maybe they didn't have money for a Bible or money for a book to teach them God's word, they could sing these songs and they would know the doctrine of God. His brother John Wesley, the famous theologian, said that Charles' hymns, his hymnal, was the best theological book in existence short of the Bible. Wesley, inspired by the sounds of London's church bells walking to church on Christmas Day, wrote the Hark poem about a year after his conversion to be read on Christmas Day that day. And in 1753, George Whitefield, a student and eventual colleague of Wesley's, adapted the poem into the song that we know today. But even with that, I want you to know, it's still not like he intended. If you look up the original Hark the Herald Angels Sing, they used some different words. They also had more than just the three stanzas that we traditionally sing. There were four, and in sometimes I've seen as many as five. So I want to read these words to you for us to really just think about today. I'm not going to try and sing them. If I do accidentally start singing, I'm sorry. But I'll try not to. I don't want to embarrass myself or my family. The words say this. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead seed, hailed incarnate deity. Pleased is man with men to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel, 
Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays in his glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. As we read this, you should notice one thing in particular. I mean, there's a lot of things to notice, but I want to start with that word, hark. You see, hark means to listen closely, to pay attention to the meaning of the words that you're singing. Hark is a word that you shout in order to grab everybody's attention. And there's many different words we use nowadays. We might just yell out, hey, you, as we wake up everybody and get their attention. But here in this, he says, hark, hark, the herald angels sing. You see, the message of salvation has been proclaimed. Jesus has come. And salvation is yours if you want it. And the first thing we need to do is described in this one word, hark. We need to listen. We need to think to the meaning of what are we saying, what are we doing this Christmas season. You see, I want to give you a summary of the whole thing. The first stanza describes the good news of the Savior's birth. God has sent the one who will reconcile the sinner back to himself. Therefore, all the nations should rise and sing and proclaim the good news together as we sing glory to the newborn king. <coughs> Christ is the king. The second, the next stanza speaks to the wonder of Christ's coming and the good news that we find in it. None of us could explain or could even imagine how he would come to be born of a virgin, to be placed in a manger, a feeding trough, in a stable. Now, there's many debates on, was this a cave? Was it a stable attached to somebody's house? What was it? We know it wasn't in the end, because the end was full. <coughs> but the third and final stanza tells us of the accomplishment of Christ and the power that it brings. Again, like I said, there's actually four stanzas, but the rest isn't very often used. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail. Hail the son of righteousness, light and life that to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings, mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. For well over 200 years, Hark the Herald Angels Sing has been a gospel-saturated song, an anthem pointing people to the Savior. And as we sing this this Christmas season, we need to remind people what are they singing about? Slow down enough to really think about it. When we sing about Jesus, we're singing about the God-man who is truly Emmanuel, God with us. And in Matthew 1, 22 to 23, it says, <clears throat> All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Have you really thought about the blessing that means God with us? That's because God came down, was born of a virgin, and lived this life that we have life. Life without sacrifices daily. Life without going to the temple and sacrificing a lamb. Life because of Christ. Life that would be born of a babe and would grow up in a sinless, perfect state. 
to be that one final sacrifice for us. Isaiah 7.14 tells us, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. You see, this was a wonder to us. It's amazing as we think that God did this and how he did it. We would have never thought about such a thing. <coughs> Excuse me. But as we think about this, we also notice that all the way back in Isaiah, all throughout the Old, script, Old Testament, this scripture was prophesied that there was hope. The candle we lit today speaks of this hope that we knew would come. It is a wonder to us. It's a, mysti it's, it's a mystical thing as we try and think how this would happen. But we shouldn't be completely in wonder because we can look to God's word and know that it was going to happen. Jesus came to earth to care for our bodies and souls. And we too should take time to care for not just our bodies and souls, but we need to care for other people's bodies and souls. And we can do that as we look to these sounds of the season to these carols to live by, we can help care for others. So as we look to this song, I want us to first look to one thing. Well, we're going to look to three things. We're going to look at the shepherds, and we're going to look at the angels, and we're going to look at hark. And we're going to do all this in about the next five minutes because we're short on time. But the first announcement of God came to shepherds. Let me read this to you once more. But we're going to focus just on one part of it. Verses 8 to 14, it says this. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, <coughs> for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Thank you. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Going back to verse 12, it says, And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly... Suddenly, I mean, we can't imagine, but this is the best word that will, will ring with us. Suddenly, like snapping our fingers, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God together and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This great and powerful detail tells us that the angel, this messenger of God, came to the shepherds. That's not what anybody would expect. Although God's word gives us all this prophecy, we want to try and apply to our own knowledge and our own thinking. Why would God send the angel to shepherds? Why wouldn't he send the angel to the, the pastors, the priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day? Why would he send an angel to proclaim of Jesus' birth to shepherds? For that matter, why would he have Jesus to be born in a stable? Why not in a hotel room? Why not in the inn? Why not in some place where all could see? But we shouldn't be too surprised as we know in God's scripture what it tells us. We know the prophecy. This first announcement came to shepherds. It's a great, powerful detail to notice because shepherds were despised by most of the population 
because they're seen as unclean, dirty. They're seen as people who were not able to come to the temple as often as they thought they should because they were too busy caring for their flocks, a very needy job and a job which I've learned a lot about as I have come to Bloomer, Wisconsin. I've learned more about farming. You guys work hard, but it's hard for you also then to get to church. So thank you to any of you who have chores out on the farm or out in the country that you made a point to be here. But these people were seen as unclean, illiterate workers of the field and unable to keep the details of the law. They could not observe all the meticulous hand washings and rules and regulations because their flocks had a constant demand for their attention. No shepherd would have ever expected to be given such an honor as this, to be blessed, to have an angel of the Lord appear to him and to give him this news. Can you imagine yourself, you're out in the field watching a flock. Can you imagine yourself, you're doing your everyday job, you're at your desk, doing the mundane things which you think, oh, another day. You're just doing another day working. All of a sudden, you have an angel of the Lord with a light shining about him, God's light shining about him. An angel appears to you and did to you as it did to them that day. The glory of the Lord shone around them. But they are reassured, do not be afraid, for I have good news. News for you to share. You and me, normal people. You see, that's one reason why Jesus, why the angel came to the shepherds to give them this news. Because the shepherds were ordinary, normal, regular day, regular day workers. God wanted us to know that this announcement, this hope of a Savior is for all of us. If he would have just came to the Pharisees, they could have used that against God's people and said, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this. But no, the announcement came to shepherds for us to realize that Jesus came to save the ordinary, average, everyday, average Joe, ordinary people. We can identify with these shepherds because they were just like you and me. None of us are better than anybody else in God's eyes. God desires each of us to have the, this news of hope and of a Savior. God, ended, God intended the good news to be for all of his people. Not just for the leaders, the self-righteous people of the day, but no, for all people, because all people needed this hope. All people needed life. All people needed this restored relationship. But as we read further into this, we see God and sinners reconcile, joyful all ye nations rise, Join the triumph of the skies, with angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. The angelic messenger was joined with a heavenly host, a number which I've read, it could have been so large that you can't even comprehend, you can't even understand how large it is. So again, if you place yourselves in this picture that we have, as a shepherd in the field, this angel just gave you this news and you're afraid. But the angel says, do not fear, for I have good news for you. But then all of a sudden, this large number, <coughs> this angelic host comes up and starts proclaiming. I'm guessing you're going to fear again, aren't you? But then you listen to the news they're proclaiming. They're proclaiming, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. They're praising God. For what God is doing. God is sending his son to be born of a virgin to give us the hope of life. And here's what's powerful to me as I think of these angels 
praising God. As they sing, as they say, I should say, there's some debate on if they really sing or if they say. But it says, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. These angels, they didn't need this peace. We needed this peace. We needed forgiveness of our sins. We needed hope of a savior. And yet they, as a heavenly host, as a number so great that we can't even comprehend, are filling the skies, praising God for something that we should be doing. We should be praising God as they are. We should be praising him as one heavenly, well, one giant host who will be in heaven someday next to God, praising him with the angels. We have been reconciled, but are we living as reconciled individuals? Are we living in a way which reflects the light of Christ, the light that Scripture says gives peace, peace to those whom he is pleased, peace to those whom he is pleased. God is pleased with us as he is pleased by seeing Christ in us. And it's through this that we have peace. You see, it's peace that gives life. It's peace that takes away the sinful past that we have. It's peace which takes away our rightful place for what we deserve in hell. It's peace which delivers us into God's hands. Peace comes through knowing Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and following after him. Through Jesus, we find peace. We find salvation. Whom is like our God? Nobody. This holiday season, we must slow down long enough for all people to see the peace that we have. As one author stated, our lives should reflect the joyous truth of God and sinners reconciled. But are we so busy decorating, shopping, and partying that the joy of this Christmas message has been shoved into the corner of a Sunday morning worship service or a Christmas carol sing-along? This Christmas, let's commit ourselves, our lives, to be a clear reflection. This Christmas, let us live by these carols. Let's not just sing it in a way which we're not realizing what we're singing. But let's make this sound of the season a carol which we're living by, proclaiming all to hear. And stop in your tracks and make sure people realize the meaning. Make sure you realize the meaning. And then as you proclaim it, Proclaim it to everybody else by the true meaning. Make sure they know what it is. So, as I end, I want to give you just a couple points here. The point of this message is this. Jesus came to earth to care for our bodies and souls. And we, sh we too, should take time to care for our bodies and souls, but also for other people's bodies and souls. Physically, spiritually, we can help. This is a carol to live by. Hark the herald angels sing as it gives us this glorious message of the gospel. As we proclaim for all to hear. But let's take time to focus on the meaning. Hark. Hark the herald angels sing. Hark means to stop. Pay attention and listen. We must believe in the story and the story which continues. The story of a savior. So as I close and the worship band comes up to close us in the song. Hark. Pay attention to what you're singing. Pay attention to what you're saying. We have a unique opportunity this season with all the sounds of the season. Let's proclaim, glory be to the newborn king.
Glory be to the newborn king. Hark the herald angels sing. And let's pray as they're preparing. Bow your heads. Lord God, we praise you today as we can look forward to the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Hope which we can look back in the past and we know this has already happened. But hope that we know they were looking forward to with every single day, every single minute, every single second. They couldn't wait for this prophecy to be fulfilled. We have hope at new life, Lord. And may we live by this carol, live by this, this true scripture standing in Luke chapter 2. That the angel did come to shepherds, ordinary everyday people, and this angel proclaimed of the news that, the, that there was a newborn king laying in a manger, swaddled and, swaddled and ready to save us. Lord, may we place our life in his hands. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing. Let's contemplate. Hark the herald angels sing. 